All right, well, here's what we're going to do today. Next week, we're going to start the Christmas series. But it's not December yet, right? Let's give it another week, and let's just pause for a minute. Uh, if you've been around here over the past few weeks, you know we've been in the middle of this series called Enemy. And it's been all about this fact that we have this spiritual enemy that's just trying to hold us down in life, trying to keep us from everything that God wants for us, literally trying to steal from us, trying to kill us, trying to destroy us. And if you're new around here, that might sound weird to you that we talk about having a spiritual enemy. Not a physical enemy. We have a spiritual enemy that's trying to keep us from God, trying to keep us from connecting with him and living for him in this world. But last week, we turned a corner in that series and we talked about the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is God's gift to us to help us to overcome our spiritual enemy. God wants to give us power to live for him in this world, to make a difference in this world. And so what we're going to do today is we're going we're gonna to linger on that thought for another week today. The Holy Spirit has something he's trying to lead you into in your life. And I want to encourage you and challenge you today to open your heart to him. God wants to speak to you today. I believe that with all my heart. You're going to hear from several different voices today. It's going to be a little bit of a different experience. We're calling it Defining Moments. And it really has the idea of these moments where the Spirit of God moves into your life and, and speaks to you and leads you and nudges you in a certain direction. And you have to decide in that moment, are you going to listen? Are you going to receive the Spirit of God? Are you going to be led by the Spirit of God? Or are you going to resist the Spirit of God and quench and grieve the Spirit of God? The choice is ours. The Spirit literally wants to fill you and lead your life. The Scriptures promise that the children of God can be led by the Spirit of God. And so I just ask you right now to decide before we get into this service at all that you're going to have an open heart to God. You're going to listen for Him to speak to you today. You're going to leave here different than you came in. You're going to leave here a step closer to Him. You're going to leave here walking with Him. The Spirit of God's literally going to move in your heart. That's what we think is going to happen today. So uh, what I'd like to do right now is I would just like to pray for a moment and ask God to do this for us and get us prepared for what God's going to lead us into. The band's going to lead us. They're going to create an atmosphere of openness to God and His Spirit. You're going to have several people come up on the stage and share some of their stories with you. You're going to hear some from God's Word. And I really do believe this is going to be a defining moment in many of our lives in here today. God wants us to, to experience a defining moment. So let's pray together and ask God to do this. Heavenly Father, we open our hearts to you right now. We ask you to come and meet with us. Lord, even if we've never been to church before our whole lives, we came today. We're here for a reason, Lord. And and I know some people here may not have a clue what I'm talking. What do you mean God's going to speak to me? Father, I just pray that you would reveal yourself to them today. That by your spirit, you would nudge them, communicate with them. Open their hearts to you. As the offering bucket passes, Lord, I pray that those of us that call Metro home would be generous, Lord, that we would, we would step closer to you even with our finances, Lord, and that we would generously give to support your work here. We offer these moments to you, Lord. We ask you to come and meet with us. Move us, change us, make us new. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, Metro, how you guys doing? Hi, yeah. That was kind of weak. (laughs) Uh, Hi, I'm Jack. I'm uh, one of the pastors on staff here. Uh, I just moved back. uh, Detroit and Downriver used to be home for me. Uh, My family and I moved up from Memphis, Tennessee, where it is usually about 20 degrees warmer than it is here. 
And so uh, this season, I'm remembering the real reason of freezing. Uh, So as Greg was talking about uh, defining moments, uh, what is the idea of a defining moment? It's a very personal thing that happens uh, in your heart and mind. It uh, usually begins with a let's get real aha moment. And uh, mine was pretty rough. Uh, It's almost like I have to confess uh, something. I, uh, it wasn't a sin that you could see or catch me in. It's, uh, it had nothing to do with the internet or immorality. Uh, you wouldn't be able to see it on my bank statements. And uh, frankly, none of my closest friends even ever questioned me about it. Um, as I was uh, reading the Bible one morning a few years ago, uh, alone, I read the Bible. And uh, I try to do that to try as I, I want to stay close with God. And I was reading in the book of Matthew chapter 9, and it said that Jesus looked on the crowds and had compassion on them. And uh, now for whatever reason in that moment, uh, I, I read the word compassion, and I just felt confused. Uh, it stopped me. I couldn't even move on to the next paragraph. I, I don't know if you've ever read the Bible, and you just felt like it didn't make sense. Um, And that's kind of how I felt. Uh, I was reading that, and I just asked the question, Jesus, why do you care about these strangers so much? What is, uh, so what what about them draws you, draws them to you? And, um, sorry. Um, I didn't. It was hard for me to realize that that's not where I was. Uh, It's not that I didn't know what it was saying. That wasn't the confusing part. Uh, I knew what it was saying, but what it was saying just seemed foreign to me. Loving strangers really didn't register uh, in my heart. I stared at the word compassion, and I started to feel empty and guilty. I could see that Jesus loved people in a way that I didn't, and, uh, and it bothered me. Uh, I was a Christian. I went to Bible college. I, uh, I was on staff at three churches. I wanted to be a full-time pastor. That's what I wanted to do with my life. Uh, currently, at that time, I was in seminary. I was earning a graduate degree in the Bible. Uh, my whole life was supposed to look like I loved Jesus, and, and I was following him, and, and I was becoming more like him. Uh, but I just felt like a hypocrite. Uh, I realized that God cared about people in a way in which I didn't understand. Um, I heard missionaries talk about uh, loving unchurched people and, and or lost people, however they describe it. And I would, you know, yay, let's love, you know, unchurched people. And uh, but really, it didn't it didn't register with me. Uh, what seemed true on the outside uh, wasn't true on the inside. And uh, I only loved the people that I knew, and I didn't really care about the people I didn't know. And I remember sitting there, and I just froze. Uh, My heart started racing really fast. Uh, You know, like when you get in trouble, and then you get caught red-handed, like mom catches you, you know, as you're a kid. And um, I just felt really guilty. And um, um, I don't know if you've ever looked within your own heart and life and realized that you were not where you were supposed to be. Uh, but that's where I was. That's how I felt. I felt like I wasn't the man I was supposed to be. And I wasn't like Jesus as I read him in Matthew chapter 9. And uh, 
immediately I started crying. Um, and I'm not talking about like the sweet chick flick tears that roll down your cheek silently and you don't want people to know. I'm talking like that ugly, awkward sobbing with uh, snot and tears all over the place. Um, I just, I was broken. Uh, I realized I was, I, was, uh, I was faking a lot of things that I didn't, I'd never been confronted with that before. And um, I didn't love those who God loved. And, uh, and during that time as a pastor in school and all that, I would have rather read the Gospel of John to an ISIS terrorist than admit to anybody that I didn't really care about people I didn't know. And so, uh, as God was speaking to my heart, I, I, I could feel myself start to make excuses. And, and you guys know what I'm talking about. When you feel bad about something, and then immediately a devil pops up on your shoulder dressed as your defense attorney, and he's trying to justify all your junk, and you just feel like, uh, like you're trying to make excuses. I mean, it's not that I didn't love anybody. It's not like I was walking around kicking puppies and, and pushing old ladies in the street. It's not, it's not like I was out there doing some crazy stuff. I just, uh, I knew it wasn't right. And uh, in that moment, I felt like God was louder than any of my excuses. Such a defining moment for me. And, uh, and I just broke down. Uh, he showed me that my heart didn't break for people that I didn't know. And uh, just as a side note, that word compassion there is actually like a verb form of the word intestines. So when it said that Jesus had compassion on them, it's talking about like this, uh, this gut-wrenching, you know, when like there's a hole in the pit of your stomach kind of hurt. He saw them hurting, and it bothered him. These strangers, he didn't even really know them. And it just bothered them that they were helpless and needy. And uh, I never felt that way about strangers. Uh, that never led me to pray in desperation for God to come down and rescue people and save people and, and meet people where they are and try to draw them. That, I guess I would say I wanted those things because I knew that was the right answer. But in reality, I never prayed like that. I never felt like that. I was never moved to compassion for strangers like that. And, uh, you know, how could I say I follow and love Jesus with that kind of apathy in my heart, kind of like a cancer in my heart to where um, I just didn't care? And so I remember uh, sitting on the floor with uh, dried up tears and a bowed head. I remember begging God, saying, you've got to change me. I, uh, I can't pretend love. You know, I can't force it or make it happen. I you can't make yourself love people, especially strangers or enemies. You, you, you can't change yourself like that. I, I felt like I was begging God, God, you have to create something inside of me that's not there. You have to do something that I cannot do for myself. I'm looking at Jesus in the Bible, and I'm saying, that's not me. I, I do not love strangers like that. And uh, then irony kicked in. I'm sitting there, and I realized that I was just like those helpless and needy people in Matthew chapter 9. And it's like God brought a sense of peace and comfort to me, saying that I'm going to have compassion on you. And I remember begging God, God, give me your love for people. Help me to love strangers. Help me to love people that need you and are hurting. Help me to be something that I'm obviously not. And... Uh, 
Now, I have a long way to go, and uh, it would be just as awkward for me as it would be for you if I tried to talk about how much I love people and strangers. Um, But God does something miraculous when you're willing to be honest and humble before him. And he continues to break my heart as I'm reading the Bible and I'm really trying to listen. I'm really trying to focus. I'm really trying to hear from him. Uh, He's changing my heart all the time. And um, I mean, what uh, what would convince a man to uh, uproot his family and to move to Detroit? Uh, Other than the booming economy and the friendly communities and the wonderful roads and the nine months of winter, uh, other than those things... What, what would change a whole family to want to go somewhere and uh, for people? Uh, that was my defining moment. And I think it was a defining moment for me because I was trying to listen to God. And uh, it was worth it. And, uh, I love you guys. Thank you. think about a defining moment in my life, I think back to my late teens, 17, 18 years old, and I um, I grew up in church. I grew up, my family always went to church. We, you know, always in the choir, you know, always active in our youth ministry, things of that nature. But I remember in my late teens, I struggled um, trying to fit in. Um, I was always seen as the good girl, the one that, you know, always did what was right. And I struggled trying to fit in with my peers at school and outside of school and, you know, sports and athletics. And um, for a while I struggled with, you know, one foot in church and one foot in the world, you know, trying to fit in with my peers to do what they do and talk like they talk and go where they go. And I remember not feeling comfortable. Um, And at some point I would, you know, go anyway, but one one particular uh, time I remember being out with some friends and there were some things happening that I knew were not right and I, I knew that it wasn't where I was supposed to be I knew that it wasn't something that I was supposed to do and I remember for years my mother used to reprimand me whenever I'd get in trouble and she said you know there are certain things that I expect of you I expect you to you know to to do what is right and to do what you're supposed to do and you have to remember who you are And it was at that time um, that it hit me. I have to recognize and walk in who I am. Um, It was about relationship at that very moment for me. I couldn't just know God through my parents. I couldn't just know God through those that I went to church with, through my pastor, through, you know, my youth pastor or youth minister. I had to come to know him for myself. And that was a defining moment for me as it relates to establishing that relationship one-on-one. Yeah, I had prayed and I had even fasted, so I thought, but you know, it was something to be able to actually sit and listen and hear God's voice and hear him as he talked to me and as he directed my footsteps and as I began to follow his lead versus just following my own or following what I thought I was supposed to do. And so this next song that we're, supposed, we're about to sing is says no other name. And I think about how, what his name means and how he cares for us and how he loves us and how when he echoes in our hearts, how he calls us to him and ultimately he is what we want and who we want to be like. So we sing this song.
Christian household. We went to church every Sunday, but my church experience, what I saw was a lot of religion rules. I still believed Jesus was my uh, Lord and Savior, but I wasn't doing anything to have a personal relationship because I don't think I ever really realized what that was or had really experienced that. When I was 14 years old, my brother was paralyzed in a motorcycle accident, and he was 16. And I had seen what that had done to my parents and the pain that they had gone through. Um, so here, fast forward, I am in my 20s. I'm married, and my marriage is falling apart. My husband has a drinking problem. When I was 25, I was diagnosed with... Uh, uh, disease endometriosis and ultimately that led to a hysterectomy when I was 27. Uh, I didn't know how to express my pain. Um, I pretty much hit it. I wanted to be strong. Uh, I certainly didn't want my parents to see another child struggling. Um, so I pretty much buried feelings, buried my was pretty good at pretending everything was okay. I even had myself convinced. After I'd left my husband and I fell in love with another man, when that relationship fell apart, 
I had dealt with the idea of not having children. I, I knew I was okay with that, but what I wasn't okay with was bringing somebody else into a relationship, knowing that I couldn't give that. I felt worthless, like I didn't have anything to offer. I didn't think I... I didn't think somebody should love me. <laughs> you know, it wasn't a matter. I, I didn't think I had anything to offer. And I thought it would only be, I thought I can do this for 10 years. It'll be till I'm 40. When I'm 40, nobody's looking to have kids when they're 40 or at least 45. But by that time, I'd become obese. Um, you get comfortable in your loneliness and in your not sharing I didn't know how to be vulnerable. I was pretty uh, closed off, <laughs> even with my friends. So I felt alone. Satan loves to isolate us, boy. And he pretty much, you know, was winning in that area. Um, but God had a different plan. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> um, I had been to Metro a couple times with my best friend. So I knew about Metro. I'd been here, I'd liked it. And when I knew I needed to get back in church, I needed to start seeking God. I needed to, I need God in a big way. That's when I started attending Metro. And the defining moment for me was um, one Sunday I was sitting at Metro and I saw Pastor Jay and Mike talking about Renew on stage. And I knew that I needed help. And so I showed up and I went. And it was there in sharing my story that I learned that I was not alone. I had felt so alone. I always thought people wouldn't relate to my story because their story was different. Um, and I realized pain is pain. What drives us to pain isn't what matters. We can all relate to it. Um, yours might be from a divorce. It might be from drugs. It might be from loneliness. It might be from abuse. Um, but pain is pain. And that is something that I realized that I had support there. Um, I developed friendships there. And the leaders, um, they were gentle but honest. It wasn't always what I wanted to hear, um, but it always was what I needed to hear. <laughs> so uh, God really just started dealing with my issues one by one. I realize everything in my life has led me to that moment of being able to submit myself to God. And so even all the pain or anything that I've gone through, if ultimately... That led me to make that change and make that commitment to him and allow him to change me, then that was all worth it. Um, because that's really all that matters in the end is our relationship with him. Um, every, everything else isn't going to matter. <laughs> My name is Lynette Byers and I am Metro. Man, it's incredibly exciting and humbling to know that you can affect people in the world and what God's doing in other people's lives. 
Hi, my name is Michael Hotchberg, and I'm the director at Renew, and, which is the, the recovery ministry here at Metro. And I am so anxious, <laughs> so excited to and, and honored to share my defining moment uh, uh, from, from my life with you guys. Well, it all started when, one day when I was uh, flipping through Facebook, and I seen a message from my friend um, Rachel O'Neill with little dresses from Africa, and she was asking for more men to come on the next trip to go to um, Malawi, Africa. And man, as soon as I felt, as soon as I read that, I felt this like it was I was punched in the gut, and immediately I knew that it was a prompting from the Holy Spirit. Man, I don't know if you guys have ever had something like that. I'm sure most of you have. But what, like, if, you've, if you're like me, sometimes you know that you know that you know that it's God that's speaking to you, but you can make excuse after excuse after excuse as to why not to obey. And when this happens, man, Satan comes, comes right in and, and he pulls all stops to keep you from doing God's will. He, he told me lies like, like that wasn't God speaking to you. That was last night's pizza. Or uh, you, don't, you don't have the, you can't afford to go on a trip like that to Africa. Or a couple of my personal favorites that he told me was, um, he told me that I wasn't worthy of get, doing God's will. Or that I didn't have anything to offer them, those people there. And you know what? As my relationship with God grows, I get to, I begin to really realize when, when Satan lies to me. And, and this was one of those times, especially he's telling me I'm not worthy. I, I don't have anything to offer. That's a stinking lie. See, God, God uses imperfect people like me and like you to do great things. He, he, wants to, he wants to pour his love into us so that we can pour that love back out into other people. So, as the weeks and as the months went by and God was meeting every need that came up and he was abolishing every excuse that I had, um, this question just arose in my heart. It was why? Why me, God? Why would you, why would you send a screwed up, imperfect person like me to Africa? And he answered quite quite honestly, quite promptly, because you don't love those people. You don't love people like that in Africa, Mike. And, and as much as I'm ashamed to admit it, it was the truth. I didn't love people like that. As a matter of fact, I, I thought that people like that were, were a problem. You know, they weren't made in the same image as, as of, uh, the same image of, of God as, as me and as you. These people were super needy, and I started arguing with God to that fact. And, and, and how was I going to affect them substantially for, for, long term, for the long-term needs that they had? Well, God answered that question, too. He said, <laughs> he said that, that I was to trust him and leave it up to him that they were no, no more needy than I am, and that the rest would, and that the rest would become clear in the end. So from that day forward, I, I didn't question God. I didn't argue with God. I just trusted him in deeper ways. So fast forward to our trip. 
So one day we're, we're doing a distribution of dresses for girls and, and britches for boys. And this little dude came up. He was so cute. He was like four or five years old. But man, it was so sad because he had the, these little, little pair of denim shorts on that were so worn out that you could see right through them. <laughs> they were split. They were split down the side. And the only thing holding them together was the hem at the bottom. He literally had to hold them up at the top with his, with his right hand to, to, to keep them together. And he had no underwear on. And much like right now, that broke me. Man, I thought, what if that was my, my grandson Noah? Would anybody care about him? Would anybody care about his salvation? Would anybody care about his dignity? Would anybody help him? What about food or clean water or his daily provisions? Well, friends, I got to tell you that that day something changed in me. <laughs> These people were not a problem anymore. They, 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 these people are beautiful. These people are fearfully and wonderfully made like you and me. And I got to tell you, that little dude, that little guy, that day he received, a, he, he had the best meal he probably ever had in his life with clean drinking water. He got a brand new pair of shorts, heavy duty ones so they wouldn't wear out too quick. He, he got a brand new matchbox that was matchbox, matchbox car that was uh, stuck in the pocket. And he got the use of both of his hands again. And it was like Christmas in Africa. Folks, God wants to use us to do things for him, for his glory. You know, he, he's, he's working in us to do these things. He pours his love into us so that we could pour our love out to other people. Now, he may ask you to do crazy things like go to Africa and, 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 and clothe kids or go to Detroit and feed people or walk across the room and just simply pray with somebody. But he wants to use us to show his love. So folks, when, when, when God, when his spirit gives you these promptings, don't make excuses. Just, just move. You never know, man. It might, be, it might be the best thing that you've done for someone else. It will definitely be an adventurous, exciting life that you would live if you were to live like that. And you may just become a crazy missionary guy like me. Thank you. Um, if it's okay, I'd love to just share with you as well, uh, this, this defining moment for me. Um, you see, I, about two years ago, I picked up this book, and um, it's called The Circle Maker. And uh, it's a book all about prayer. And um, the thing about this book is, the reason I picked up this book was because I just felt like I could read my Bible, I could you know, do the church thing, sing a couple of songs, but 
I just felt like I had no prayer life. Um, I just felt like weird talking to God on my own. And, um, so someone recommended the book to me, and I, I read it. And there's a section in the book uh, that talks about, sorry, uh, <laughs> there's a section in the book that talks about um, the reason your prayer life is so uninspiring is because you're uninspired in your prayer life. And that section just hit me so hard. And uh, what I started doing is I started getting in my car every Monday morning and sometimes Fridays. And I would drive to a stadium. So I'd go to like Comerica Park or Ford Field and I would, I would start walking around them and just asking Jesus to use me to fill them with worshipers. And so about right at the time I started doing that and, and was starting to get a little uninspired doing that. It sounds crazy, uh, you know, going to a stadium and feeling a little uninspired. But, you know, you do something for so long, you, you can, you can kind of um, forget how special it is. And um, I was sitting at the soundboard during church one night. It was a Saturday night, Saturday night of church. And I remember God telling me, hey, you're going to Cleveland tomorrow. What? <laughs> it was just something I, I felt in my spirit. It was says, you're going to Cleveland tomorrow. And I'm like, God, do you, do you know how far Cleveland is? That's far. It's like three hours away. And I was, you know, I was broke. And <laughs> I was just like, well, I, don't, I, don't, I can't afford to go to Cleveland right now. But, so I just started making other plans, like, nah, that's just crazy. I'll just go to Detroit tomorrow. It's really close. It's easy. And the rest of the night, God just kept saying, you're going to Cleveland tomorrow. So I sat back there. I opened up my laptop. And I just started making some plans to get to Cleveland the next day. So next morning, I get my car. And I drove out three hours started snowing. Um, oh, no, that was another trip. This is awkward. It was not snowing. It was in the summer. <laughs> I went twice. Um, so I get there. It was in the summer. You'll understand why. Um, but I get there, and remember, I, I always just walk around the outside of the stadium. I park my car, pay five bucks to park, and I say, God, okay, here I am. I drove to Cleveland. You told me to. Now show me why you told me to come here. I start walking towards Progressive Field, which is where the Cleveland Indians play. And I noticed all of the gates were open. I'm thinking, huh, is there a game? Like, what's going on? I get there and I say, hey, what's going on over here? And they're like, oh, it's fitness day. You can walk around in the field as long as you want. I'm like, okay, God. <laughs> I'm listening. And now God wasn't just bringing me to Cleveland to, to have a cool day of prayer. That's not what he was doing. What he was doing that day is building my faith. 
You see, sometimes God will tell you to do something crazy. Something that doesn't make sense. Just so that he can show you how faithful he is. But here's the thing. God doesn't give us promises of things. He promises his, what he promises us is himself. I thought I was going to Cleveland to be inspired. But what happened that day as I continued walking around the stadium is my faith was being built. My faith in Jesus. My faith that my God can do the impossible. So for you, God's asking you to do something crazy maybe. Maybe it's something simple. But he's saying, step out and see what I will do. So we're going to sing this song called All I Want. And it's just a song about wanting more and more of Jesus. And he's saying to us, ask, seek, and knock, and the door will be open to you. Don't pray for things, pray for me. And if you pray for things, you're going to get me. That's what Jesus is saying to us. So let's stand and let's sing together. Fall and move in love with you because your grace makes me new. I long to be with you. Why did I miss? 
You know, as we were putting this experience together today, and I was talking to everybody and hearing from everybody what they were planning to share, uh, I just had a sense that I knew that God was going to meet with us today. God was going to speak to us today. And God was going to call each and every one of us into something today. And so I just want to challenge you. You heard from a bunch of people tonight. They shared their stories about hearing from God and responding to it. Being willing to hear from God and, and, and to step into it, to be open to it, to embrace it, to actually do what God's asking you to do. So what I want to do for the next couple of minutes is I just want to convince you that you can hear from God and do what He says. And if you can learn how to live your life this way, if you can learn to hear from God and respond and do what He says, God will do incredible things in your life. You will find what you've been searching for in life. You will find the adventure you've been looking for, the love, the joy, the peace that you've been trying to find in this world. You will find it if you just learn how to live your life hearing from God and doing what He says. When you have your defining moment, in every minute of your life where where God wants to speak is a defining moment. It can happen through His Word. Jack talked about reading the Bible. And God speaks through his word. It can happen through one of God's people. Mike talked about reading Facebook and one of God's people mentioning something and it, and it stirs you. It can happen in prayer. It can happen in the most random of ways. It can happen when you're watching a television program or listening to a song. God is trying to speak. He's trying to communicate to us. We need to be open to it. So I want to convince you that this is a good idea, that you should learn how to live your life this way. And the way, the way I'm going to go about this just for a couple of minutes is I want to show you a passage from the scripture that was written by Jesus' closest friend on earth. Think about your best friend, right? The closest person to you. I don't know, some people don't realize this. Jesus had a best friend. His name was John. John referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. The guy that was probably the closest human person to Jesus when he, when he lived on this earth. And after Jesus was gone, John was responding, reacting to what Jesus had done and, and, and the, what he meant to him in his life. And he wrote a book called 1 John. It's in the Bible. You can read it. In, in 1 John chapter 4, here's what it says. I just want to read this to you, and I want to lead us into a couple of thoughts based on it today. 1 John chapter 4, 7 to 13 says this. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one's ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us. and His love is made complete in us. 
This is how we know that we live in Him and He in us. He has given us of His Spirit. Now, a couple things I see from this. The first thing I see is an observation. The reason that you should live hearing from God and doing what He says, the first thing I see is that God is love. Whenever you have an encounter with God, what you are going to encounter is love. God is love. It's just who He is. Whenever He speaks... Whenever he tries to lead you into anything, it's because he loves you. God is love. His nature is to love. God's a father who has a son that he loves. Before God was ever doing anything, when God was all by himself, go all the way back before he ever even created the heavens and the earth, God was a God of love. He's a father who has a son that he loves. He's a son that has a father that he loves. They have a Holy Spirit that carries and shares and expresses that love. And so whatever you encounter, when you encounter God, it's always going to be love. God loves you. You should listen to him. When he speaks, he's trying to lead you into the best possible life you could have. God is love. Second thing I see is that God showed his love to us. If you've ever doubted that God was love, just look no further than Jesus. God has shown his love to us. What it says is, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Whenever you start to doubt, whenever you wonder whether God really has good things for you, whether you wonder whether you're good enough or smart enough or could ever be acceptable to God, what you have to understand is that while you were still a sinner, before you'd ever done anything good, before you could ever deserve it, God showed his love to you. He sent his one and only son into the world to die on a cross for your sin, to rescue you, save you, and fill you with his spirit and give you a purpose and hope for your life. God is love. God showed his love. The third thing I see is not only is God love, and not only does he show his love, but listen, if you can see this, if you can see God for who he really is, if you can just get a glimpse of it, that there is a God And that God loves you, loved you so much that he sent his one and only son into the world to die for you. If you can see this and put your faith in it, the scripture says something amazing happens to you. And there are many of you in this room today that this is your defining moment. You just need to see God for who he is. The God that loves you, wants to rescue you, save you, give you a hope and a future. You need to see him for who he is because when you do, when you put your faith in him, The scripture says you come alive inside. It it calls it being born again. Your sins get washed away. God accepts you, forgives you, picks you up, lifts you up, puts you on a path that leads straight into his presence where there is fullness of joy in your life. Listen, this is what God wants. And for some of you, today is your defining moment. You need to take that step. You need to put your faith in Jesus. God so loved the world, he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him will never perish but have eternal life. And this is your defining moment. But for others of you, maybe you've already taken that step. I see a fourth thing in this passage. I see that God is love. I see that he has shown his love. I see that, number three, he puts his love in us. When you respond, when you put your faith in Jesus, God literally takes his love and puts it in you. This is called the Holy Spirit. It's what God gives you when you put your faith in Jesus. God pours his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he's given to us. 
the very love of God starts to live in you. And the fourth thing I see is that God not only is love, not only shows his love, not only puts his love in us, but the fourth thing I see is God wants to share his love through us. And this is where a whole bunch of us are today. This is our defining moment. God literally wants to show. It says here that there's something incomplete about the love of God. Did you catch that? It says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. There's something incomplete about God's love, and that might sound crazy to some of you. You want to know what's missing with God's love in the world today? The personal presentation of it in person through God's people. God literally wants to share his love with the world through you. He's inviting you into it. That your next door neighbor, your friends, the people that you work with, the people you go to school with, God wants to use you to share his love with them. And he's inviting you into this. And so this is the kind of life you'll learn to live if you just learn to hear from God and do what he says. If you allow the Holy Spirit to really lead and direct your life, you will step into a relationship with a God who is love. A God who has shown his love. A God who will put his love in you. And a God who will share his love with the world through you. So hear from him. And do what he says. You will not regret it. Have your defining moment. You know you can have a defining moment every day. You can hear from God. You can read his word. You can pray. You can spend time with God's people. You can hear from God every day and you can do what he says every day. And you'll learn how to live what Jesus called the abundant life. Life to the full. Amen? Anybody excited to try to step into this life with God? Learning how to hear from God and do what he says. So what I want to do right now is I just want to lead us in prayer. And I want to walk you into this defining moment for many of you in the room. For some of you, today's your day to walk into a relationship with God. For others of you, you know God's stirring something in your heart. There's something he wants you to do. So let's just go to God in prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, for speaking to us today. Thank you so much for allowing us to hear you, Lord. I pray for everybody in the room that they've heard from you and that right now in this moment, they would walk into this defining moment, Lord, and they would make a decisive decision in their lives, God, to hear you and to do what you say. To not resist you, not push you away, Lord, but to step closer to you. Father, there are some in this room today where they need to give their heart to Jesus. They need to put their faith in him. Help them do that right now. There are some in this room that have broken relationships in their life. Strained relationship with their husband or wife. Strained relationship with their kids. They're not even speaking to their brother or sister. Strained relationship with their parents, God. And you want to heal. You want to put your love in them and you want to use them to show your love. You want to bring healing and restoration and forgiveness into these relationships, Lord. You want to do it through them by your spirit, God. I pray right now that you would lead them. Show them the next step. As we move into the holiday season, Lord, you want to share your love with, with everyone around us through us, God. Help us to be open to you. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Fill us with your love. And show your love to the world through us, God, we ask. So, Lord, I pray now that before people just get up and walk out of this room, 
they would just take a moment, Lord, and, and really respond to you. And, and for many of them, they need to take an extra step, and they need to come and pray with one of my friends that are to my left and their right. I've got friends that want to connect with them in prayer and bring them before you, God, and, and, and just to really solidify this defining moment in their lives, Lord. I pray that people would come forward, and they would connect with you, and that we would leave here different than we came, Lord, closer to you. Use us, Lord, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen.